0: Guru Nation, thank you for listening to episode 767 of Random Usings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this episode, I interview Lucia Rodriguez. She is the site owner, site director for Evolve Clinical Research in Phoenix. She's also going to be a SOS panelist on the onboarding and training staff panel. Amazing person to get to know. Her LinkedIn is underneath the in the show notes. And she's going to be, like I said, on SOS panelists. So, this is an appetizer appetizer, for the SOS conference, saveoursites.com. Quick shout out to the sponsors, Inato. Thank you so much for making it easier for sites to get studies. If you do have therapeutic area expertise, Inato can help you get studies. It's for free, it doesn't cost you anything. Link is in the show notes. They also do not control any aspects of the budget. They get all their money from the sponsors just for connecting them with sites like yours. So check it out, Inato. Also, thank you to CREO for sponsoring the show. CREO is amazing. eSource, eReg, CTMS, patient recruitment, auto-texting. We actually discuss some of these technologies in this podcast and especially CREO because CREO has been fundamental for my site since day one. So check it out, link in the show notes, and enjoy the episode with Lucia. Guru Nation, welcome back to another episode of Random Usings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I have Lucia Rodriguez on. She is a clinical research professional from Phoenix. She's going to be on my one of my SOS panels. She's a panelist that's been carefully hand-selected by Judy Galindo so shout out to Judy uh, and she's Lucia someone that I've never met despite being in the same state but we'll work on that maybe mm-hmm. SOS will be the first time we'll meet but she's a research director at Evolve Clinical Research she's also been an independent research consultant she's worked at other sites throughout Arizona including the University of Arizona which my alma mater and we'll forgive you for going to ASU <laughs> uh it's okay uh how's it going lucia
1: pretty good pretty good just getting the year started
0: happy the new site year that i'm
1: currently in is being was remodeled over the holiday weekend so we're trying to get all of her our, our lab fully set up again and all of our binders and everything put back into place it's it's been busy
0: so as a site director right the site director i mean you and i are basically the same role uh can you tell me a little bit about your site how it's set up and then maybe just a little bit about like your the history of your career and what got you to this point
1: yeah so i i've been working at the site level for it's going to be 13 years next month um and i've actually stayed at the site level um i kept trying to dip my feet into maybe becoming a monitor would go to interviews and just cannot leave the site i i have made it my career choice to just, that's what I enjoy. So um, I actually started Evolve Clinical Research back in 2021, March of 2021 is coming up to three years, um, because I have worked with doctors who had expressed um, interest. They knew that I was working in research and they were like, why are you not what, you know, like we're going to start our own practice. Can you help us do that? And I'm like, I, I don't know how to do that. Like I know how to run the trials, but I, I wouldn't know how to get a whole site off the ground. Um, and actually one of your videos, watching one of your videos to going into work, talking about how to set up a, a site. And I was like, maybe I could do it. And maybe, <laughs> maybe I do have all the, all, all the tools necessary. So that's, that's actually how we got, um, evolved clinical research started with, uh, our pain management doctors who, um, three two of them had gone to medical school together one of them is a friend um, in law actually started their own practice and they were like we're getting our clinic off the ground they were like a year into their own practice you know let's let's give clinical trials a try you know a try they had been sub eyes and studies and the practices they were before when they were doing their training um and that's that's actually how we got started so that's that's how the model was established like now we're up to seven sites um trying to get studies for some of them but four of them already have multiple trials going um and Wait, we seven have, sites yes and all of wow. them all of them have been doc, you know the investigators letting other their friends colleagues know like oh this is how what we're doing who we're working with and that's how i've gotten connected like i actually haven't gone out yet to see, to try to find investigators, um, might do that for dermatology. I'm trying, we're trying, really trying to get some dermatology trials going, um, but so far we haven't had to. We're, we're doing some neurology, neuromuscular disorder specifically, um, pediatrics, family medicine, and pain management.
0: Interesting. Okay. So the, these doctors, when they set up their group, they knew you from, or you said one was like a, distant relative or something
1: he's married to one of my best friends Um, oh
0: okay yeah so
1: they're they're actually two the sisters married two anesthesiologists and they partner in their clinic so I knew them separately um and they're the ones who who approached me first about it who were just like why don't you do it and I was like I don't have an answer but I was like (laughs) can I do it (laughs) so
0: you essentially became like a business partner with these Mm -hmm. doctors Mm -hmm. Congrats! That's much, but in my opinion, not for everyone out there, much better than being a Siri. I I think you made the right choice. So I
1: welcome. I really like it. I've um, it's <laughs> been three years and I haven't had a day where I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Like I I'm still enjoying it. There's still so much to do. There's so much to learn. So
0: yeah, it's rewarding, but it's it is a lot of work and it's stressful in its own way. Um, so it's really cool when I find like other site owners slash site directors that, you know, get their hands dirty um still. And it looks like we started the sites around the same time too. Because mm-hmm. mine was twenty one also when I moved here summer and then it was winter like December we got our first SIV. It was a bad study, but we got it. Um so yeah, like the struggle is real and at SOS we're gonna be discussing a lot of things, but one of the most Important things, in my opinion, because you can't scale it. You can't do everything yourself, just like I can't do everything myself. You need staff, and good staff doesn't, especially coordinators, they don't fall from the sky. You know, how did you like? Can you walk me through the process of like when you got your first coordinator and how you found them? And then, because that's kind of what our panel is going to be about is identifying first and then training. So can you walk me through like a little bit of that?
1: Yeah. So the, the first coordinator who joined, so at first I was working with some contractors. So from um one of my close friends would, I met her in clinical research while we were both working as coordinators at U of A actually. Um, and she moved to Phoenix for nursing school. Um And while she was doing nursing school, she was able to help me as a contractor here and there. Um, But that, again, that's not, once we got the first study, that wasn't sustainable because I was doing consulting to kind of fund, you know, my, my own salary. Yep. Um, so when we got the first study, that was what uh, we started in March, 2021, August was when, when we had the need to hire the first coordinator. um, And it was someone who I knew from before, didn't, came in with no clinical research experience, had some healthcare experience more on the, um, insurance side of things. So came in with like some medical knowledge, no, no direct patient experience. So that was the first person that I had to train, um, who is now helping me has been with us for it's going to be three years in August, has been Mm. um, helping us train other coordinators. And we always talk about like, you know, remember when we started with you where there was really no not a whole lot of direction. I mean, she she was so patient with that, but we also were not as busy as we are now. So there was a lot of hands-on training, a lot of time dedicated to just one-on-one training, which mm-hmm. now we lost some of the that luxury to be able to do that as we get busier and we have more studies and don't it's a it's a whole different pace. So since then is-
0: what did you see in this person? Like you knew them already. But what characteristics was it about her that made you not hesitate to call her first?
1: Her work ethic. Um, so actually, i one at the clinic where I started clinical research. Um, she actually had come in to help. They were trans, um, going from paper to an EMR, and she had come. She was in college at the time. She had come and helped, like, scan charts and um started doing other things, right? Started doing other things. And I just saw that, like, if she would see, I don't know how to do this, I'm going to learn it. And we'll sit there and come back, you know, and um, come back and be like, oh, okay, like last night I did research into this. To, to be ready to do this the next day, right? And for me, I, a good coordinator has to be someone who's comfortable not knowing things, but has the drive to learn them because you're always gonna, I've, I've been doing this for 13 years and I'm like, there's, I'm still learning. I'm still like, oh, wow, that hasn't come back, come, you know, up before and now I have to learn it. So that, that was a big thing for me where I was like, okay, I know that this is someone who's going to be dedicated and who's going to want to learn it. And, um, I, all the coordinators, I tell them, I take them back. You have a video that it's about, like, it's over an hour long and it's research one-on-one, like everything research. Right. Um, she's one of the few people that actually has come back and been like, oh, remember, remember this video? Like I actually watched it. Right. And I'm like, you know what? That's, what they're doing with their own time and again it's wow. it comes with that drive of wanting to learn um so that that's a big thing and I mean that she's been such a huge asset she's actually our research manager now um because it's, she's she's learned so much of it like the regulatory side and just wants to learn every area of what we do um, so yeah. it does it does line up with you know perfectly well with what my thoughts were where I'm like this is someone who's gonna always want to learn which is so necessary for what we do
0: Interesting. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, from what, from my experiences, most of my hires are research naive, all of them at Yuma Clinical Trials, but in, in my entire career since '05, just about all of them were research naive, maybe just a handful weren't. They all end up liking it. And uh, like if this industry uh, is funny in that sense that it's like, once we're in it we complain about things but we all like it still and we stick around like no one comes into research and then goes to another industry later. I'm sure it happens but it's it's not common in my experience and they usually are lifers uh, in this industry just cuz there's a lot of opportunities, there's a lot exactly. of career advancement. So that's really There are
1: so many different areas or so many different roles and so many different directions in which someone can grow that it's if you like clinical research you will find something that keeps you in the field
0: yeah so it's so what you identified in her you've worked with her in the past indirectly Mm -hmm. and you just remembered that was memorable like whatever she did it was memorable enough to make you remember her later like months later right
1: absolutely yeah
0: and so that's the work ethic and that curiosity to learn. And the and,
1: and the same with, with you, like all, all, all of our research staff currently came in with no research experience. We did have one person who completed a, um, a clinical research program and that's she came in to us right after that program. But besides her, nobody had actually done any type of training and clinical research All have been research naive as well.
0: And you are so this is what really the panel is about. It's identifying first because you can identify. We we've had one person that was like um like a family hire, mm-hmm. and it didn't work. They weren't that comfortable with tech and things like that. So despite the onboarding we have, it didn't work out. So it's the identification is critical. I think before the onboarding and a lot of people fail at that step because if you bring on the wrong person either attitude wise or technology wise and this person was great attitude like very hardworking. it's just the technology wasn't clicking and you know it's fast-paced I mean <laughs> this industry once you get even one study fast paced like there's a portal for this portal for that check your email for this as soon as you randomize your first patient you get bombarded with emails from everyone it's just if you can't pick up like those things it's gonna be a very long journey for you for, for the coordinator
1: that's that's what we've had i think what we have struggled with, you know, where it's like, it's really hard to, when someone's interviewing, of course, they come super excited about clinical research, I've heard about it, I've been trying to get into it, you know, especially when they're, you know, they're actually they're not just looking for a job, but they've been looking for a clinical research job, right? They come in super excited about, you know, they at least they got an interview. You know, a lot of people come in and being like, I keep applying and no one will even interview me or, you know, like I interview and I'm not given the position because I don't have experience. So they do come in with that excitement. And I think it's really hard during the interview process to be able to relay how, what a clinical research coordinator does. Um, because we've had people, we've actually had a couple of hires who have come in and just been like, you know, this is too much. Like the clinical research is not for me. Um, and because we're we're a smaller, um, you know, smaller company, brand new sites, what we need is coordinators, right? So it's not so we've we've one, we were able to be like, okay, you're more of like on the admin side of things and switch or to do regulatory help with data entry and things like that. But like the hands-on coordinating where it's like, you know, I tell them, I'm like, okay, you know how to take vitals. Now you have to learn how to take vitals for clinical research and know that while you take them like this for this study, this study requires this and this other study requires something different, right? So it's having the whole, you know, not not every day looks the same and the amount of knowledge that you have to know to go from, from one visit to another and from one, working with patients with a specific condition to another, and just having to wear multiple hats outside of just being a clinical research coordinator, right? Like, it, there's yeah. so much that it involves. Um, not just seeing the patient, but even when you're seeing the patient, there's so much that you have to learn to be able to effectively do those visits. So we we have had um a couple of people that join again and come in, and I mean, what I tell them is like, you know, while this side may not work for you, there might be other sites where it, it's gonna work better with how you want to work and the role you want to have, and maybe not full on clinical research coordinator, right?
0: Yeah, it sounds like you're, and how many coordinators do you have right now?
1: So we currently have four coordinators, and myself, I'm still very much functioning as a coordinator, um, and we actually have a clinical research coordinator joining Monday, a research assistant, and hopefully wow. a research admin, hopefully. Uh, so you're we are going
0: from four to seven, like, yeah, overnight.
1: Yes. Okay. And, and and we since since we hired our first coordinator, um, who's actually been a part of helping us create more of a a training program. Um, mm-hmm. so now, now we do have a lot more things in place that do help us get coordinators up and running. Um, for the, the coordinators and research assistants, the research admin is a whole brand new role that we still have to, you know, create the training for it and and I'm curious about that
0: about. i'm curious about that because i have the exact same number of staff four coordinators and me which is five and which i'm still very much hands-on um and then my np business partner nurse practitioner who's sometimes he acts like a coordinator too so maybe it's six but really if we're both a half then it's like five <laughs> but it, we, so far everyone's like you said it's been a generalist like you're in here we're specifically picked you. Like we had to go through 10 people to get you. They're all really good right now. The team, like they're all generalists. They're, they, they know like most of how to run every visit. Uh, But the admin, like, so when you get to like streamlining and specializing, uh, cause I've never done that, but I've always been curious to maybe specialize. Like what made you want to, go from okay like we'll have our core team of generalists but now we'll have an admin like what what made you want to do that and then what's what's the goal with that
1: so our coordinators are cross-trained you know they they come in and go to different clinics um and what we're finding there are certain things that are it's hard to have consistency on because while well, sometimes like today for example we have a rare clear day with no patients where um, we're just going to be setting up our lab and, you know, getting this, this site fully set up again because it's our busiest site. Um, but tomorrow we have a day where when we come in at seven until we leave, we're working on patient visits and then wrapping up those visits at the end of the day, um, especially on a Friday, trying to get all the labs and everything out on time. So what we've seen is it, it pays, places a strain on the coordinators to now have to worry about, oh, oh I'm in charge of sending reminder texts to the patients, right? Like at which point am I going to find find the time to do that. Um, Also, we, we like to send a reminder text in the morning in case the patients need to reschedule, there's anything that needs to happen if we do it at the end of the day we're not going to know until we come in monday like oh this patient actually canceled this patient needed to reschedule right so we we there are specific tasks that we're looking into like data entry um for example you know someone answering the phone or answering text messages to the patients even just to let them know your coordinator is busy they're going to get back to you at this time things that right now it's taking time away from us seeing patients to have to step away and do that um and that is coming this role is actually coming a lot from like what the coordinators, the concerns of coordinators are voicing where they're like, okay, I'm in charge of restocking the rooms, right? Or, you know, getting the list ready for what supplies we need, but I'm not having time because... Our days are just so different. Um, so it's 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 a way to support the coordinators a little bit more because I, at the end of the day, you know, the frontline, whoever's on the frontline, it's going to be the, the ones that need the most support because those are the days that are going to be the least consistent, right? We plan for a visit for, this is an hour visit approximately. The patient comes in, they may come in with an SAE, BI might be running really great or might be running late, and then your day completely changes. Um, so we're we're kind of focusing a little bit more on, okay, how do we alleviate those concerns for, for the coordinators and make sure that we're also staying consistent with certain things for the patients, right? Because sometimes the patients will text us at, you know, it's like 4 p.m. and they're like, hey, do I have an appointment tomorrow? Because I haven't gotten the text, right? Um, yeah. So just because we being a clinical research coordinator, being in clinical research, not a single day looks like the other. We're, we're trying to find someone who's able to not be working with patients directly so that they know like, okay, I come in and at 8 a.m., right, I send all the reminder texts and there's not going to be anything getting in the way, like a patient coming in early, a patient coming in late, the PI's pulling them for something. So that's that's what we're envisioning for that role. We're, we're all very excited about that. It's, it's going to be nice to have certain things that we don't have to think about.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, because we run into that everything you mentioned is basically what we run into. Also, <laughs> we've we've been a, like insanely busy, Lucia. Since I mean, since uh, like the last five months, but particularly since November, we've had like three visits a day, nonstop. And you know, we've been screening, randomizing, and all this. And the other day, my lead CRC was going to be a co-panelist with you, Katie. She's like, hey, we got to stop screening for the study. We ran out of screening kits and uh, we ran out of like the retest kits too. So I just ordered more, but we've been like so busy, you know, we didn't realize that the kits were were gone. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Like, you know,
1: that just yesterday, the coordinator who, because that's the thing too, that, you know, you're a coordinator, but then based on your personality, what you like to do, you, you were able to be like, okay, then you're in charge of this specifically, right? And the coordinator who's restocking the room, she was just like, I just don't have the time. It's not that I don't want to do it anymore. I just don't have the time. Yeah. And I'm like, i I agree. But I'm like, help is coming, right? Like. So is
0: this admin going to do like pre-screening too?
1: Not pre-screening. So okay. that's also something that it, it it depends on the study. We have certain studies. We actually just started working with contractors in December um, because we oh, have okay. a back pain study that we're getting lots and lots of referrals from, from the sponsor, from a, a central recruitment campaign that we're like, you know, we don't we don't want to lose that momentum. The PI is very, very, very much interested in because becoming a top and roller on that, um on the newsletter. So we're like, we got, we got to get him a top and roller because he sees his colleagues there. And then he's like, how do we get in there? Right. Higher, you know, 90% screen failure rate. So it's, it's a tough study, um but we have to screen to be able to get patients in. So we've, that's a study that is um, we have contractors pre-screening for. So I've I've actually reached out to people that I know from working in clinical research before, where I'm like, are you looking for something on the side? Um, because a lot of those patients for that study specifically, if we call them during the day, business hours, they're working. Okay. Um, so I'm like, okay, we need coverage after hours, but I cannot put that on the coordinators as well. Um, so we've started working for con- with contractors for pre-screening. We're actually training I'm training someone this Saturday who's been doing wow. clinical research for for a few years who's like you know what who's going to help us with the most complex trials so what we've done is in December we started moving some of the easier trials to pre-screen for to to the contractor um but now we're going to have someone who's, who's going to be able to pre-screen more for like our neurology trials because those are are a bit tougher um a lot tougher actually <laughs> to yeah. pre-screen for so we're we're kind of keeping we the goal we only done it for a month has worked really well so far but the goal is to have contractors helping us with the with the pre-screening
0: wow okay so it's the four key staff and you that are like Mm full-time employees and now the research admin is coming on it's gonna be a full-time yes you have the contractors doing pre-screening anyone else I'm missing you said data entry.
1: We have a another research coordinator and another research assistant coming on.
0: Oh, so you're gonna go from four to like six full time employees anytime now. Like, so
1: yeah, so it's gonna be seven for a little bit, but we have one coordinator who's leaving. Um, she's actually gonna stay on as a contractor to help us do unblinded pharmacy.
0: Okay. Um, so
1: that that's 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 another role that we have, not someone who is employed by us we have two contractors now that are unblinded pharmacists, pharmacist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because it's been tough, you know, with only yeah, we have four of us, five yeah. of us losing someone to prepare medication, right. And they cannot do anything else. So.
0: Yeah. You know, those unblinded pharmacists, our PI, one of our studies that we are just closing out here soon. Uh, he suggested his medical assistant because at the time the study started, we, it was just me and two others. And, We needed everyone to work on the study, so we needed unblinded. So he suggested his MA, two of the MAS that work in the clinic. So they were good, but they were like no, they had no experience, and there was no real purpose in training them because they were never going to be my employees.
1: Right, right. So Mm
0: -hmm. they were not used to like what the monitor wanted. You know, they were like making Mm -hmm. mistakes like my staff would never do, and I. I'm thinking then the next unblind, like to have enough staff like you to where one of the unblinded pharmacists can be like our own people and just, you're just not doing this study, but you're doing the other ones, but you're going to be unblinded for the study.
1: Yes, yeah, so for so we we try something different, um something similar to that um at different clinics. So for one of them, the study closed before we could even train. We, but that was the MA who will see the research people coming in because we're embedded into the the clinics. and this was her first trial where she was just like, how can like, we help you? How can we do more? So she approached the PI and the PI approached us. And we're like, absolutely, we'll take the help. But we didn't have the opportunity at the at the neurology clinic, though. This is the one where we have the most patients and the most studies that require an unblinded pharmacist. We do have something similar to that where a clinic staff is actually who um, does infusion, helps us as an unblinded pharmacist. But she's she's busy with her own infusions all day. So we have her as a backup. Where she helps us, you know, like if we lose a contractor, um, because one of them is a pharmacy student, we might lose her when, you know, when she graduates and moves on. She helps us train so that we can have that that transition. But it, it helps to have someone on staff for all of the very specific, it's not just preparing the medication, you know, but like the very research specific yeah. um, paperwork and admin work that comes with it. So that's, that's why... It, it does pay off where we're like, OK, this coordinator cannot help us with this study, um but they're going to be able to jump in and, you know, while they're still coordinating, they're doing their own visits. Someone else is preparing the medication. They're the ones who are handling the the monitoring visits, the queries, the data entry that's necessary um because some of the studies are take like a whole hour, you know, to prepare the medication. So we do save them that hour by having someone else come in and prepare it. But it's nice to have someone who's already trained on that study and on being an unblinded pharmacist on staff that can actually train um, whoever comes in as a contractor or a new coordinators that come in that function as an unblinded pharmacist.
0: Now, when, when you identify this, let's say the going back to the coordinator, right, the generalist when you identify them, you say, okay, congrats, you're hired, you start tomorrow, what do you do and how long does it take? I'll give you an example. So my at my site, I have a three month, like from day one, we're very hands-on. If it's not me, it's the lead CRC Katie who's gonna be on the panel. Very hands-on for those first three months. If we feel like you're ready, let's say at month one and a half or two to see a patient on your own because up until that point you're like shadowing with people Mm -hmm. and we're explaining what's happening then we'll let you see a patient visit on your own usually it's around month three that we're okay with we're comfortable and like the person seems to get it uh and then we increase the pay so it's three month like probationary period but then we Mm -hmm. increase the pay quite a lot actually at that third month and then every three months we continue these reviews uh, and then we, I try to figure out what the person wants to do and see if there's like specializations within the generalist. Uh, what what is that like for you? Like from day one, what is your goals, and then how do you kind of go about training?
1: Almost exactly the same as you you just mentioned. So three months, and I I think you know from listening to like lives and podcasts and all those things, I feel like three months tends to be the standard. Um We do put everyone, you know, on a probationary period the first three months. Um, We we don't have a training program. I call it a training checklist where we've actually compiled a list of this or all the things that you need to be checked off on before we let you see a patient independently, you know, we're before. So that is the same goal. We're, we're um, we hire research assistants to be trained as research coordinators. Some people come in with experience that may not be clinical research, but we're like, but you're going to be someone who's going to transition into clinical research coordinator, you know, within those three months. So we hire them as research coordinators right off the bat. Um, but everyone has their own checklist. We're You know, not everyone learns at the same pace. We did try to hire, um, train two people at the same time, and they were just such such different points that we decided that we're not doing that again. Um, So now we have this checklist where we give it to them, are very transparent about, until this gets checked off, we cannot move you to fully independent coordinator, right? So you're coordinator in training. Um, And again, that comes with a drive. Like the current coordinator that started in November, is someone who even she was even thinking about like, wait, but that, how do the holidays get into my opportunity to get get signed off before the three months are up? Because again, it comes with being able to work independently on the visits without one of us shadowing you and with a pay raise as well, a, a significant pay raise once they get signed off. Um, but again, they they work on this list and they they decide, you know, like, this is what I'm struggling with. Let's spend a little bit more time on this or something where like vitals, for example, DKG, um, the hands-on, things it seems like everyone gets signed off a lot faster um so where they want to start with that you know especially if they haven't had patient interaction with that and they get like they're like oh my god I got signed off on that very quickly maybe I can get through this list in a month right so wow. they 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 get through their own challenge like my my current coordinator who's in training she's like I'm, I'm not going to take three months like what do we need to do so she's constantly being like okay like what what where do you think like the reason why I'm not I wasn't able to do this visit on my own. Um, so she started in November this week actually. Where we at the end to be like when when we think someone may be ready to be signed off, we don't wait until that the three months are up. Um, so this week is when she started where she has to do five visits without shadowing, without having you know with with the feedback. If she gets signed off in five visits, she's good to go. Um, so she did visit one yesterday and she was just like, okay, this was a short visit, but then she's like one of those visits has to be a screening visit um, to get signed off. So she has her screening visit coming up which someone's rescheduled. So she keeps taking time during her day to be like, I'm going to be prepared for this screening visit because I'm going to get signed off on the first one. Mm-hmm. So we, we guide them with, again, giving them, this is where you have to be. And this is how we're going to help you with that. So we have a lot of like job aids that we have in place for things that can become automated, like scheduling, for example, there's, you know, we have, we, we have we use the CTMS. We have the instructions and in writing with pictures and like click here do this, you know, where it's like your your brain space should be going towards more of the complex things, not something that can become so easily automated, which helps us a lot to to um, like adding patients to the EHR, for example, is something that while we're training, um, we're able to be like, okay, you're, you're going to be helping us add all the patients, like remove all the patients from the, the clinics EHR, you know, it's something that it's doesn't require a lot of research knowledge, but it's, you know, the coordinators can still be working on helping us with other things so we can free up time to train them. Yeah. So I do most of the training myself. Um, but we have, again, we, we have three other coordinators that can help us, you know, and they get, they get to the side because I also, again, it's a lot of burden to be like, you're going to be seeing patients all day and also training other people. So they, they kind of decide where it's like, oh, they're really good at this. They want to be the ones who show the other coordinators that. So it's, it's, it's a lot different now than when it was just me, um, because there are other people around that can do a better job training them on certain things, you know? So Yeah.
0: Me too. <laughs> it's much better with them doing it than me because that's that's what they do full time. And with me, I had so many other things going on in my career at businesses that I could never focus on just one study. Um, right. And so I knew that's just, just temporary until we get revenue to hire someone. Uh, it's way better with like me training and then Katie now training. Mm-hmm. So this list that you give you you're the one who signs off on it or um others? whoever trains them oh whoever yeah trains so them. so i think i'm
1: the one who signs off on them but that's the thing too that because as we hire more people and we get busier i spend less time seeing patients now it's it's more like i jump in if needed to cover but i'm not i'm not the coordinator for any of the studies so what they're going to be doing is seeing patients so we actually have them when they're in the visits with the coordinators shadowing helping them with labs the coordinators themselves are signing them off on the specific things
0: i gotcha so that makes a lot of sense and then is this list the same for everyone or the
1: list is the same for everyone
0: okay
1: for all research coordinators a research assistant there are things that they don't need to get signed off on Um, but we use the same list so we basically compile the list of anything that you would have to do as a coordinator, you know, from, from scheduling, even the simple things as like the, the reminders of the appointments, anything that you may need to do, because that also helps us make sure that, okay, we did show you everything, um, right? Because before we would be, you know, not every visit is the same, not every study is the same. We would be like, oh, okay, like cover this visit, right? And it would be like, oh, I, you know, a pulse box. That was yeah. something that you know, the the, the coordinator had been working on a study that didn't require it. And then she was just like, no one ever showed me how to do this. And I was like, you never had to do it up until now. Yeah. <laughs> that list also helps us keep, you know, keep keeps us in check to make sure that we're actually showing the coordinators everything that there may be to know, even if they're, if they're not exposed to it right away, you know, so that if, when they're working with a patient, it's not the first time they're seeing it.
0: Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And then there's more complex things that don't require, at least for me, that don't require the three months. We don't have this list, but it's basically the same thing. Uh, but the list is good. I like that. I'm going to have Katie talk to you about that. Uh, yeah, it's,
1: it's it's been really helpful. Again, it, it's a big motivation for for the coordinators that come in. Yeah. Um, I haven't had anyone come in being like, oh, I don't want to get through the list. I'm going to wait three months. Like everyone's like, how do I get signed off? If oh, I'm so gonna the, do the incentive
0: is like, if you get through this list quicker, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah see we've given um like that three months with our last two Grecia and Lana they got their three-month period turned into two because this list that you have I we have it in our head we've we checked it off in our heads but it's nice to actually have it like yeah tangible.
1: yeah and I'm telling you it's it's it, I mean there's just so much to to what we're doing every day that we keep finding ourselves being like, Oh, sorry, we never showed you that. Right? <laughs> and and obviously, there's no the pressure once you're signed off to be like, you're already seeing patients on your own to realize when you're seeing the patient, like, oh, I actually don't know how to do this. Yeah. So it helped us and we, we do update it because I mean, as we get new studies, there may be new things that um, that are we don't never had to do either and this study requires yeah. it. so we, we do update it like that um where sometimes we actually just have to practice on each other you know because we don't have a study that requires it but we're like just in case so that yeah the that you do it is not in front of a that's patient cool. you're not worried about it um but yeah we we kept forgetting a lot of things you know t- during that time so that's why we started our list and it helps us again just to make sure everything we're covering everything but it, it, it's a big motivator for for the coordinators
0: There's a lot that I haven't seen your list, but I can imagine what's on it. There's a lot that is not on that list that does come up later with, comes up with experience. For example, like SAEs. I mean, they're not that common. Right. Um, Especially SAEs like potentially related to the IP or deviations. You know, you may go three months in your probationary period, you don't see a deviation, but then month six, it's gonna happen, right? So that's like, you kind of get more training on the mm-hmm. job. Um, one of the, for us at least, for our staff, one of the last things they learn, I don't know why, but it's it's the navigating these IRB portals. Um, like, it takes longer, I think, than three months for many to understand the concept of like, if there's an amendment, you have to go see if the ICF is there in the portal. and the, It seems like those things, like that's an industry problem. I think that could be done better. Um, but at least in my experience, those have been some things that like maybe extend that three-month period.
1: Yeah, so for for our coordinators, what we do is I I still do regulatory. Um, I I actually really enjoyed regulatory. Oh, you do? I hate <laughs> I, that stuff. I, I do. I know. And even the coordinators are like, oh, just trying to figure out where everything goes. And I'm like, I I I am I'm, i I don't mind having that on my plate. Wow. Um, but <laughs> I, I know I I actually really <laughs> do enjoy it. Um, but part of what we do is make sure that the IRB and regulatory training for the coordinators it's very specific to um what they're going to need it for so we don't we don't necessarily focus on you know like the protocol deviations that's one that you know i prepare them to if this comes up at least you know what it is we'll work through it once it comes up for you and they're like i'm not going to get any protocol deviations i'm like yes you will Um, everybody yeah (laughs) and i'm like and and i tell them that where i'm like don't it it happens that's why there's even a whole format of how to report a protocol deviation but things like that where we expose them to it let them know like this may not come up for a while like SAEs we have coordinators who have never even had to report an SAE knock um so but but again we do expose them so that when they hear SAE even um in the source or from a monitor that is not so so new that they know okay this is this yeah. is a bad thing it's not
0: intimidating Can um,
1: right like but that you know like an SAE is bad we we need to We haven't recorded one before. We need to get help from like the manager or myself, right? Mm -hmm. When when this comes up, so that they know that 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 is coming.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: But when it comes when it comes to regulatory IRB again, that's that's very limited exposure to it. Um, We we would struggle with the whole we let everyone know like there's a new consent but then it would be so long before the patient was coming for a visit um so now how we've resolved that is every morning they check for the visits that they're doing that there's not a new consent um Mm -hmm. uploaded just if we to make sure we don't miss a new consent um because we do have it on on our ctms but oh you
0: upload it in the exactly
1: so i'm like what if we haven't gotten like because i do have um well, the coordinator who's leaving was helping our regulatory who's uploading things, right? Because sometimes we get so many things approved at the same time. But to make sure that we don't miss that uh, informed consent and there's a lag between when it gets approved and it's uploaded, we just have our one check the IRB so that they know, okay, like I have the IRB access, to so check for new consents. Everything else is going to come from the CTMS. Yeah,
0: yeah. What CTMS, what do you, systems do you guys use?
1: We are using real time.
0: Oh, okay. We're CREO um I haven't played around with real time but I hear good things about it
1: Heath. yeah I I've worked with Trio before um I've actually helped like other sites build source um that's oh, something okay. that I do too I I, I really like doing that as well um but I also think you know you know if the corners have a good source they will have a they will have a good visit yeah, um, yeah. it's about everything else goes um so I have worked with 3O too I, I think they're very comparable I um just what, what everywhere else we started with the clinics that didn't have, um, had not done clinical research before, so all they know is CTMS. Yeah, um, urology clinic, which is the busiest, we actually switched them from paper to to a CTMS, and the investigator loves it. It's,
0: it's amazing. Like, like regardless of Creo versus real time, that's that's a dumb like rivalry that just there's so many sites using paper. Like just pick one of these things yeah. uh, and use it. They're both really good. Um, yeah, it it's makes
1: <laughs> such a big difference. It's it's what's honestly has allowed us to work at multiple clinics um, because there are yes. clinics where we're getting lab signed and communicating with the doctors and they're signing off on things, you know, without us having to physically be there, um, mm. especially right now being so small with we have seven clinics for coordinators there's no way to have a coordinator at every clinic so having a ctms i think it's it's
0: are you guys doing the labs the labs e-signed yes okay we haven't done that yet we're still printing and then uploading um our clinics are close enough to where just we go but uh that's one thing we haven't like switched yet
1: yeah, so it developed us in that way too, because sometimes when the the investigators are gone for a long time too, um, and it, and it works different for every investigator, and I think that's something that we also look for when we're interviewing people, someone who's going to have that flexibility um, to adjust. Because and, and I tell them, I'm like, well, some days you're going to have we're going to have five, six, seven patients in the same clinic, right? Then the next day we might not have anyone. Um, but even just adjusting to working with the different investigators not everyone works the same there are investigators where we upload them we know the same day everything will be signed there are investigators that tell us upload the labs and send me a text to let me know that I have something to sign um no one has chosen send me an email to let me know something is there or some of them tell us like okay can you text me what the labs are like I'm just like looking at them then when I go in like and they'll (laughs) let us know like okay this is you know call the patient do this and then we show when we're in the clinic, we're like, okay, can you like go and write this notes and we gotta
0: start doing on the that. labs?
1: But yeah, like it's again, everyone works differently. Um, so far we actually don't have any investigators who are like, no, I need you to physically show me what I'm gonna sign. So that's that's nice. Ours
0: do we might need a switch because and maybe we do it with this new cardiologist. Because um, we literally go unannounced to the clinics. They're all within five minutes of our main nice. hub. So you must like you must spread out for sure. But our all our clinics are like basically in the same place, um, five minutes from each other. Um, well, maybe the furthest one's like seven. But oh. you, we just go unannounced and like with labs, and we just sometimes wait and we're waiting like thirty minutes, mm-hmm. sixty minutes till the doctor comes out. Which is inefficient, but the benefit of that is you get to meet the staff too, like the MAs. Mm-hmm. You build a rapport with their clinic. So, yeah, I do think that's next that we have to transition to because I think the pros outweigh the cons of doing that.
1: I I think so, and and again, we we've had we haven't gotten push pushback so far, yeah. but we. The the investigators don't know paper labs. So that, that wow. helps too, where this is the only system they've known. And it, and the investigator, the the neurologist has been doing clinical research for independently for three decades almost. So it's it was that was a transition that was most difficult. Where he would be like, Why don't you just print it? And I'm like, Because then we're gonna do that for every study. Mm-hmm. And the incentive was, you know, when you're not here, you can still sign them and you're not gonna have them piling up, you don't have to. Print them where you're at. Sign them. Bring us the original back. Like you just,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> you just get to do it from anywhere now. He loves it. Now yeah. we we try to give him EKGs during the visits to just sign so we can upload, and he's like, no, put it in, put it in the system. I'll I'll sign it in the system. And we're like, oh, yeah. Okay. We, we have this <laughs> new
0: study with I won't mention the vendor. I'm definitely not gonna mention the sponsor because I love them, but the vendor I won't mention. But it's one of the labs, and they literally, I kid you not, their their lab results are not like everything on one page and then the, then the next page. It's like one test per page. Cool. So you get like twenty pages. You gotta print out the PI signing all of them. It's like why do they put everything separate? Like so he's literally there like twenty pages, whereas another study would be like four or five pages max. This one's like twenty, twenty one. Just one result on each page. Yeah. <laughs> even even that I and
1: mean, we we've had investigators we have a study where we we get so many reports where it's like this is missing, and then the next report comes with like that and Yeah. There. yeah. Um, so this investigator, because he's the busiest one and has multiple studies going, where he's like, okay, rather than uploading, tagging them, tagging me, upload all of them at the end of the day. So when I get home, I can sign them all at the same day, at the same time. Because mm-hmm. he's like, I'm just getting so many notifications. Um. So what we do is like, okay, sign from lab. Eleven to fifteen you have to review and and again we're always having to adjust it because you know the as the volume changes how we're doing things is going to have to change as well um but I' I mean I'm I'm a big fan of the ctMS system I I think we're able to do what we do how we do it um and have such great pi oversight because there there's a way to do it remotely and not necessarily having to be everywhere at the same time
0: I think this list thing is really cool I think maybe that's the one of the takeaways, at least for me, listening to you, because we're basically everything's very similar. Uh, which is kind of cool that we don't even know each other and we basically run the sites <laughs> the same way. Well
1: uh, I've <laughs> been keeping up with what you do and watching your videos and your lives and your podcasts and everything. So I mean, indirectly, well, directly actually, without meeting in person, I've I've learned a lot of from you, thank to, you. about clinical research, but how to be a site owner, how to start up a site and all of this other things. So
0: thank you. Well, I'm learning from you Bye. too, doing this podcast. And I think that the um, list, maybe that's something you can bring to SOS. If oh, you're comfortable with it and for okay. the panel, that's a, that's a, we won't get into the list on this podcast, but at SOS conference, save our sites.com. Lucia will be there with the list talking about what's on it. And, um, how any, literally anyone can go implement that the next day at their site and if you're not there don't worry these will all be recorded as well like the sessions um uh, and put on youtube at some point i don't know when oh
1: that's awesome trust
0: me it's better in person guys and gals but if you can't <laughs> we're gonna have everything or as close to everything as possible recorded Uh, Yeah, we're we're
1: getting ready for that. We already have some patients on the schedule for February 2nd. Um, so we're trying to figure out and we're like, okay, it's going to help us get the infusion started so we can bring more coordinators. Are um, you guys
0: all going like your whole team or who's, who's we, going? We
1: cannot take the whole team because we do <laughs> we have patients. uh um, yeah. again that work and can only come in Fridays. Um, we've been working with those visit windows for a minute and just right before we went on break for holidays, um, we had to schedule some patients for the second. So, so far, the research manager is for sure. Um, the coordinator who's been here the longest is wanting to come with us because awesome. we, we already mentioned it to her a while ago so we cannot well i want to meet it, her um,
0: after hearing about her story
1: yeah so we're, we're gonna have um we are three of us are going for sure we don't know who the fourth person is going to be um and i'm also going with an, a research manager from another site and uh, another site owner as well actually that um that I've known since she was in college and we just, we mm. just kept in touch. So. I know a few sites Hi.
0: in Phoenix. I know the, um, uh, Bianca. I know my boy yeah. Lee Eifler. I know they're all going, yeah. I know, um, the group from, um, uh, oh gosh, they're in, um, Scottsdale, uh, they were on my podcast too. Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting their name. But Is uh, it like
1: One Oak or something like One that? One Oak, yeah, there yeah. we
0: go. One yeah. Oak, I knew. I haven't their met name them, I know cool. of them. They're,
1: they they They're have going... some sites near this site.
0: Yeah, they. it's been like over a year that I've actually met them in person. So my apologies to them for on the fly for getting the name, but yeah, one oak. They're really cool people. Those yeah, are the ones I, mean, I know you had them
1: on on your podcast at some point. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah.
0: It was over a year ago now. Time yeah, flies. But um uh, I remember when they came in actually we had you no know, like no no office outside of our clinic. Like we have a hub and Spoke now where we have like a main office and then the clinics. Mm-hmm. We just had the clinic at that time and uh there was like no space where they came to meet us. But now we've changed a lot since then. So yeah, and, we,
1: we have a, our, our, this site actually has become a little bit of our hub unofficially. We do have a, an office space that we have set up, you know, to be our hub, but we we're so busy in the clinic which is a good problem to have, but we don't really spend a whole lot of time there. So
0: us too, like <laughs> us too, but I just negotiated with the landlord to give us more space. I negotiated, I think a good deal. And, yeah. uh, we, we think of starting to see patient visits there because not all of our clinics are big enough to accommodate like multiple visits. Mm-hmm. Maybe only one of them is the others are if we're lucky. Well, one of one of them for sure, the psych and neurology, there's no room even to see one patient at a time. So we got to see all those patients off site and yeah. um, the cardiologist, I will find out later today. You guys will see it on the vlog, but it's really cool. Lucio was really nice to meet you. Nice uh, it's nice to meet similar people and thank you for being a panelist I think we have enough like good stuff for the panel I think do you feel good about it
1: I I missed the last meeting I had to oh cover yeah
0: one.
1: I had to cover business I, had to I don't see. even
0: know when the next one is honestly but uh, um,
1: yeah <laughs>
0: do you feel good about the event though like you feel like uh, you have enough to share I think that list oh, is going to go a long way
1: Absolutely. And I mean, I, I think I've just last year I was invited to be a, a panelist. And again, this is something that I would always say no to because I'm like, ah, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know about public speaking. I don't, you know, all those things. But I did it. And it, it was something that I was just like, oh my God, if we have an hour. Um, Are we even going to have enough content? And the hour was up and we actually had to kind of get kicked out of the room Um, because you're, you know, if you're put in a room with with people with similar interests and it's, it's hard to actually stick to just one hour. And um, yes, there's just hard to stick to one topic
0: too. Like just doing this podcast with you.
1: And it's hard when it comes to like staffing and onboarding. I mean, we're, we're always going to be finding, finding ways to learn, you know, how to do it better, how to, improve how to not do certain things again um so I'm, I'm comfortable I think there's there's plenty plenty of information and it's it's going to be awesome to to learn from other people too like with I was at a conference with Nick he was actually the panel right after mine had finished and I just remember him because I was getting ideas of you know like if you um because we we have a a large um, Hispanic population at one of the clinics where I'm like, okay, we have someone who's um, an interpreter on the line, right. If we don't have a coordinator who um, speaks Spanish, but like he, he has some great ideas about, you know, how to be able to cover those on multiple languages and not, not just Spanish. Um, So I remember her from that, from that meeting, because then after that, I got to talk to him and I was just like, Oh my God, well he does this amazing. Um, But that's where I got to meet him. So I don't know. I like, I think there's, it's also it's a great opportunity to learn from other people, but also just make connections with with other sites. Like I like that it's very focused on the sites because
0: yeah, that's what it is. That's the conference I want to go to. That's the way exactly. we're in. Like me Brad, me and Brad and Fox because they go they go more than I do, and they are like, hey, are you going to this one? I always tell them the same thing. No, I don't go to any of those. I go to maybe an investigator meeting if I haven't been to that city in a while or something. But no. <laughs> And they're like, oh, we should make our own in a joking way. And I was like, yeah, we would make our own, then I would go. And then well, that's kind of how this started, is I'm sick of the BS that's out there with, you know, I'm sure they're great for other things, networking, but we can get into, that's another hour long.
1: And, it, and it's awesome you. too that you're making it affordable. I mean, for there's, there's the no way that I can afford to take the coordinators to this other conferences and i'm like they're they're excited they're excited to, to go even though it's just too somewhere we're two hours away okay. we're making a road trip out of it we're already trying to decide where where dinner's gonna happen afterwards so ah
0: okay um, okay yeah, yeah
1: it, it's, it's gonna good. Be good
0: to meet you guys there and yeah, meet it's, my it's, staff it's too cool
1: to get to get them excited about it not being like we have to go like no they're like so we're still deciding who else gets to go because we
0: still have to cover. Yeah, ours, are, ours are pumped. We, we're actually paying them to go for that day because it's a Friday. So they're going Thursday. That's um, a paid day for them, but they we're going to have fun. Maybe they're going to volunteer a little. Um, I have to talk to them about that. But yeah, it'll be uh, an interesting uh, first event and many more to come. But thank you You're for fine. being a panelist. Okay, everyone. Lucia's LinkedIn is underneath this video. So go connect with her and network look this is just all we did was identifying and onboarding staff we got to do part two on other things um but and maybe one we'll do a podcast in person at some point but thank you so much for coming on and supporting the sos
1: thank you for having me glad to finally meet you virtually and look forward to meeting you in a month
0: yeah they kept saying your name i'm like okay everyone knows who you are except me (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, I'm I'm not very involved, and in, I, I try to like things and sometimes comment, but i I'm still learning networking and social media and all that, I'm trying to get comfortable with it a little bit more.
0: Well, apparently me too, because yeah, I, just, I didn't know you, who you were, and everyone's like, yeah, no, no, we have to have her on. Oh, okay, well, okay, sure. Oh, well,
1: thanks, thanks, Judy. <laughs> really love her, I love her.
0: <laughs> Shout out to Judy, but thank you, Lucy. Everybody, go connect. Like, subscribe, comment, share.
1: Go say hi to her at SOS. Take care. Thank you so much for having me. Have a great oh, day. Bye.